0: We Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fan Sided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. You can find it on our Facebook feed where you should go and like the podcast. Come be a part of our community. And that's what today's show is about. I wanted to open it up and have readers send in questions, listeners, anyone who wanted could send in questions. This is going to be a show about the questions that you have, and we're going to get into a number of them today, and And I'll do this periodically, I think. I'm, I'm glad to see that um, the show has grown enough that we get enough to fill a show. Uh, I, I used to do a podcast and um, it was it was a little bit earlier in the podcast days. I, haven't, I hadn't done it in a couple of years. I used to do it with Jason Hershorn, uh, who is a friend and colleague. And we people listened, but it probably would have been hard to, to fill a whole show with listener questions. I, I am very blessed that the Locked on Packers audience is uh, growing is bigger than I ever could have expected and anticipated, and and it has just been really cool to be a part of this show for the last year. Uh, I took over the show from someone else, and it wasn't wasn't something that I sought out, but it is something that I'm really happy that I undertook because this has been a a really fulfilling uh, almost year now. Uh, It'll be a year in August. And it's just been a really fun 10 months, almost a year, to, to be a part of this community that was created before I was here. And I've, I've been lucky enough to help it grow. And you guys have helped it grow. And I really I really do appreciate that. Um, and, and I hope that, that you appreciate each other because this is a community. Uh, being fans is being part of a community. And so that's why... I, I wanted to do this show, and, and I'm going to do this show again. I will. I will take questions. I'm. I'm always on Twitter answering questions, or Facebook, or wherever. But periodically, especially in the off season, we do have, a, you know, a month and a half before we, before we have to deal with training camp. But I think even during the season, you know, maybe on the bye week, it would be good to throw in one of these shows. Remember, during the season, we're going to have four or five of these a week. So as much as i do have a system built into every week i think there's always opportunities for us to to just take a second reset and take some questions so with that let's get into the questions and the first question that we're going to we're going to discuss is from carothers2 a uh, long time listener and frequent question asker i appreciate that he said if haha doesn't have a good a great season? Would it be wise for the Packers to let him go in free agency? I think this is a question that a lot of Packers fans have because he did not have a great season last year. haha <laughs> Clinton Dix did. And so what? The, what is the market going to be for him? Is he going to demand top tier money? And I think the easiest way to answer this question is to just say, what is what are the Packers options? Who do they have ready to step in and play that critical free safety role in any defense. They don't have anyone. And it would be very counter to the way that Ted Thompson has run this franchise, and I know Brian Gutekind is not that guy, but he was trained by that guy. And so to go into an offseason with such an important position totally unfilled, allowing Clinton Dix to walk, does not seem like a move that the Packers would make. When they let Casey Hayward walk, for example, they had Demarius Randall and Quinton Rollins in place. And, and as foolhardy as that looks in retrospect, those were high picks. Randall was a first round pick. He was talented, showed a lot as a rookie. And Green Bay must have felt like they had the future with those guys. They allowed Micah Hyde to walk because they already had Haha Clinton Dix. Morgan Burnett was coming back, and they drafted someone that offseason. So they had three safeties last year that that they liked. And Micah Hyde happened to have a terrific year, and that's great. And, and all credit goes to him for having that great season. But the Packers generally don't punt on good players. And, and for whatever you think about what happened last season— Clinton Dix had been a good player, had been a Pro Bowl player the year before, still generates turnovers. He played a little tentative and a little soft last year, but I think that's going to change under Mike Patton. I think what will likely happen is you let the season play out. And as Ted Thompson often did, and and I, I think more appropriately as Russ Ball often did, and Russ Ball is still calling the shots with contracts, Right before free agency open, you let the whole season play out. You go into the draft and say, okay, are there some guys we would love in the draft? I think that, that could be a factor as well. And you say, we're going to get this contract done before this player hits free agency. They did it with Brian Gulaga. They did it with Randall Cobb a few years ago. And they they were able to get contracts done before free agency started. And I think you have to let him play out the season. He has to prove it. He has to earn the contract. That's true. And I think that's the heart of what his question is. Do they extend him now? Or do they extend him in October? I don't think so. If they can get a, a deal done in December that they feel good about, that's fine. But I think more likely it'll be February. Um, it'll, be, it'll be early March before the free agent period opens when they get a deal done with HaHa Clinton-Dix. All right. On the other side of the ball, I actually there were there were more offensive questions than defensive questions, which I was surprised about. Uh, D Junior asks, "Would you rather Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams be the lead back?" And he, he said the other question is a defensive question: Are you more excited for a healthy Kevin King or the two rookies? Let's start with the the running backs because I wrote about it for Acme Packing Company this week. And Mike McCarthy talked about running back by committee. That was something we discussed on the podcast as well. And the thing is, I don't, I don't know that there needs to be a lead back. I think this is a, a modern misnomer. It is, it is something that is no longer needed in the modern NFL. I mean, you, Todd Gurley, great. Le'Veon Bell, great. Kareem Hunt had a great season for the Chiefs last year. David Johnson, when he's healthy, outstanding players. But again, the two teams in the Super Bowl did not have lead backs. And the New Orleans Saints had co-lead backs. And the Vikings had co-lead backs. Now, if, if Dalvin Cook were healthy, would that have been true? Maybe, maybe not. But the point that I'm making is when you have three running backs, it is not like at a position like quarterback where if you have two or three guys you like, you don't have one guy. But with running backs, if you have two or three guys you like, play them all. And put them all in a position to succeed. Aaron Jones is the best running back, the best pure runner of the ball. Jamal Williams is more durable to this point in his NFL career. He is a more physical runner. Aaron Jones did put on some muscle. He looks swole in OTAs and offseason practices, but hopefully that makes him more durable. But he is a guy that can do it all for your offense. Now, you still want to get Ty Montgomery, his touches. You still want to get him involved in the offense because he's dynamic and he's versatile. And so you have all of these players that you can put into this offense in various ways, and they can be successful. There does not need to be a lead back. And that does run counter to conventional NFL wisdom, but not Mike McCarthy's conventional wisdom because he has been a hot hand guy. We've talked about the hot hand. I hate it but I understand it. My hope is if one of these guys gets going, either Mike McCarthy lets them do their thing or, and my preference would be put them in positions to succeed formationally and with their talents, regardless of who's playing well and just say, we're going to put you in the best position to succeed and, and go do the thing. That would be my hope for this backfield. Now, as far as the rookies are concerned versus Kevin King, it's hard for me because I think Kevin King is tremendously talented. He's the he's the guy we've actually seen play NFL football, but I didn't think he was a second round talent when I evaluated him coming out of college. I thought he was more like a third round talent. He has some some physical gifts but also some limitations. Kevin King to me, is an inferior prospect to what Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander were coming out, both of whom I thought were first-round talents, top 20 players. And so from that standpoint, I don't know that we learned enough positive or negative about Kevin King for me to feel differently about him as a prospect than I do about Jackson or Alexander. And so I, I think certainly when you combine the two rookies, I'm more excited about the two rookies but I think even more than that, I'm, I'm more excited about any single rookie than I am about Kevin King's return. But I'm, I am very interested in seeing what he looks like with two good arms. I think that is an, an important caveat to make when we're talking about Kevin King because, yes, he struggled. But he was also playing in a, an ugly scheme, and he was playing with one good arm. And, and you could see it over the course of the season. And he gutted it out. He toughed it out. That's a credit to him for doing that, but he is not, to me, as talented a playmaker as these other two players, and I want playmakers at the corner position, not just a big ball of tools, which is what Kevin King is at this point. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Just put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, preferably with a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. All 32 teams have a relationship with Pro Football Focus. Use their data. So you should be getting the data that the pros use, and I want to give it to you for free. It's normally $39.99 for the Edge subscription, but I want to give it to you for free. Just put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes to enter the contest, and we will randomly draw winners for this contest I want a Locked On Packers winner. So go to iTunes, put your name and your Twitter handle in there with a review of the show to be entered to win. So this was a really interesting question from MF underscore Packers. He said, doesn't Joe Philbin have an O-line and tight end background? Plus, with them starting the playbook from scratch, lead you to believe the running game will be a bigger part of the offense next year? That was something that I hadn't really thought about. I hadn't really considered that Joe Philbin, after leaving Green Bay, he became the head coach in Miami, but then has been in Indianapolis the last few years working with the offensive line and the tight ends. And then the Packers, after signing Jimmy Graham, bring in Mercedes Lewis, a blocker, someone who can be a force in the running game. Before that happened, I would have just said no. Because it didn't seem like Green Bay with Jimmy Graham. We're going we're to be able to do some of the two tight end stuff. And and the more traditional running formation stuff. If all they had were Graham and Kendricks. Because they just they didn't have enough blocking. But to bring in Lewis. And now to hear Mike McCarthy talk about all the, the two tight end sets they want to run. I don't know that it will be a bigger part of the offense this year. Because it was a pretty big part of the offense last year with Brett Hundley. But I do think you will see a lot of the two tight end sets that we saw in the beginning of the season, and that we we will see a, a closer facsimile of what the offense wanted to be last year with Ty Montgomery, that who they thought was going to be good with the, with the rookie backs who they thought, you know, could give them some contributions, and then the two tight ends that they signed. They wanted to be an offense that played with a lot of two tight end sets and played with balance. Now. This year, are they going to be more committed to the run? I don't know. But I do think, as you point out with the playbook, I think the playbook is going to be better. I think they're going to be more effective than they were last year. They're going to be more efficient than they were last year. I think this is going to be much closer to the offense that we saw in 2014. Eddie Lacy rushed for over 1,000 yards, but Aaron Rodgers was still incredible. He was the MVP of the league, and they were able to create at all levels of the field. And that was with a rookie tight end, not two guys who are each, you know, maybe not at this point in their careers, but in their primes were Pro Bowl caliber players. Jimmy Graham is going to go down as one of the best two or three tight ends of his generation and probably one of the five or six best ever. So if he still has some juice, Mercedes Lewis can still play, still gets open, still absolutely gets it done in the running game. And so they're going to be a big part of this offense. And I, I do think Joe Philbin, I don't know how much his offensive line background is going, to, is going to help this team. They already have a very good coaching staff when it comes to tight ends and backs and, and offensive line. So, you know, maybe it just is more about making sure the protections are on point. But that's also Roger's job, and we know that he's really good. We know that he's really smart pre-snap about making sure Green Bay is in the right play, that they're in the right protection. So I don't know how much Philbin is going to have to do with that, but I think the point about his background there and his impact on the playbook, I think you're going to see an offense that is balanced and that finds the right tone in a given game. I think one of the, the major criticisms I've had of McCarthy's coaching is he would stick with the run even when it wasn't working and i think more likely you're going to see a run game that that works and so that mitigates those issues because if you're having success running the ball you're not hurting your team by calling run plays now i think anytime you're not giving aaron rodgers a chance to make a play you're you're doing your team somewhat of a disservice but i think you have to you have to run to set up play action and they're going they're going to continue to do that and then more than that the two tight end set is going to give them an opportunity to be multiple with the way that that they can attack defenses because they can play with two receivers, two tight ends, and a running back, and you can play either four out, five out, or you can play tight. You can play a variety of different ways. And so I think from that standpoint, that formational flexibility with this personnel is something that you're going to see a lot with these two tight ends And hopefully, Joe Philbin can help Green Bay incorporate that into their offense in a way that makes sense for them. You are listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Keep up to date on everything happening around the NFL with Locked On NFL. And now that the NBA draft has taken place, keep up to date with everything going on in the league with Locked On NBA. So I got this question from Josh Whitaker, and it dovetails with a question that I've gotten a lot over the course of this offseason. And and the base question is, who is going to be starting opposite Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb? Josh's question is essentially, what happens if Devontae Adams has to miss a couple games, let's say, in the middle of the season? Not at the beginning. We sort of know who's going to be the starter at the beginning of the season. It's... In all likelihood going to be Geronimo Allison to open the season. But by midseason, could it be someone else? Could one of these rookies, I think, is really the heart of this question. Could one of these rookies come in and, and be a factor right away? And, and and we've seen some flashes from Jamon Moore. Devontae Adams talked about the the quality of play that that Jamon Moore has exhibited, the physical tools that he's exhibited, Equinemius St. Brown has made some plays. He made some plays in OTAs and at minicamp, his his size and speed are are clearly evident. My my guess would be it, let's say Devontae Adams misses some games in you know the middle of the seasons, week six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. I think Green Bay would lean more heavily on the run game. I think they would lean more heavily on their tight ends. And they would they would go to a little bit more of a conservative game plan simply because Devontae Adams, at this point in his career, he's a legitimate number one. Randall Cobb is, is not really a legitimate number two. He's a he's a solid number three. Jimmy Graham is is an in between, I think, those two, somewhere in between. And they don't have another guy who has established himself. And you just can't run the same offense. I think Jamon Moore has the ability to be that guy. I think Michael Clark has the ability to be that guy, and I think he might get that opportunity. You know, if let's say Geronimo Allison or Devontae Adams gets hurt in week two or week three, they they tweak an ankle in the middle of a game. The first guy they're sending in there is probably going to be Clark, at least where we stand right now. And it it's not a it's not a, a fait accompli that Clark isn't the starting receiver opposite. Adams, because he was the one getting starts down the stretch last season when Jordy Nelson was out. Could he push past Allison in the preseason? I don't, that's not crazy. He's more physically gifted. Uh, There is, there is so much, and Jamon Moore talked about how much is in this playbook. There is so much more nuance and so much more on the mental side of the game in the NFL to playing receiver that I don't know that unless they have to, these rookies are going to come in right away and make an impact. They have Allison, they have Clark, guys who have been with the team, who know the playbook, who have caught passes in the NFL. They're going to be given the opportunities unless one of these rookies comes in and just blows everyone away with their quality of play. And we haven't, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't heard about that yet. We haven't had a, a coach rave about these guys yet. No one is, is doing the, they're so good, they have to be on the field yet. That could come. But that's that's what it would have to be. They would have to be so good that they they basically force their way onto the field. I know that that Geronimo Allison is a limited player and Michael Clark lacks pedigree and experience, but the experience that they do have is essential. It's very, very important to an offense helmed by Mike McCarthy and with Rogers under center. Aaron Rodgers is not going to throw the ball to a guy he doesn't trust to be in the right spot. And so he would rather have the guy with experience, with a little less talent, because he knows where that guy is going to be. He'd rather have the James Jones than the Jeff Janis. Because objectively speaking, Jeff Janis was more physically gifted than James Jones, but James Jones was going to be in the right spot. And Jeff Janis wasn't. And that's why he was on the field. And so I, I don't think Packer fans should go nuts expecting these young receivers to come in and be game changers right away. They're not going to be. Allison and Clark are going to be given those opportunities to succeed. And until these other guys earn it, that's what the receiver room and depth chart is going to look like. All right, we're going to be back next week with three shows. That Greg Jennings show... Is gonna come next week. The rest of the conversation we had from from the, the middle of the season last year, uh, it was a really fun conversation. This is less about football and more about his life after football, and um, you know what he has to do to stay in shape and take care of his body and and his family and all all the different things about what it means to be an athlete post NFL. It's a it's an interesting conversation. I know that he doesn't have the kind of approval rating with Packer Nation that he used to have uh, after some of the things that he's said about this team and about Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, I, I hope you give it a chance. I hope you, you listen to the, the things that he's saying. He, he actually had some very nice things to say about Brett Hundley and, and this team last year. So that conversation is coming up. There is going to be more from SB Nation. I wrote about the Geronimo Allison Cincinnati Bengals overtime play that that essentially won them the game for Acme Packing Company. That is out today. Go find that. Um, if you're listening to it this weekend, you may have already seen it, or uh, it, it's definitely already out. So go find that. But we're going to continue pushing with off-season coverage at Acme Packing Company. So go find that. There is a ton of content at FanSided, uh, at Pro Football Weekly. Uh, remember the, the Facebook page for Locked On Packers. Remember my Twitter handle, at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can always send me questions there. I don't always save them for the mailbag. I try to answer them as much as I can. Uh, you can also send them to Locked On Packers, Twitter, at Locked On Packers. I try to make it easy because there's one thing above all else that I want you to be able to do, and that is stay Locked On Packers.